Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with coach and co-owner of Unbreakable Performance, Brett Bartholomew. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Vald Performance, makers of the Nordboard. So if you haven't heard of the Nordboard already, don't worry, I'll explain, it's really simple. So the Nordboard is a fast and accurate way to measure hamstring strength. So as practitioners, we can do very little about athlete age and previous hamstring injury. But what we can do something about is our athlete's eccentric strength, and that's where the Nordboard comes into play. It isn't going to get your athlete's hamstrings bulletproof, but what it is going to do is going to give you the right information so you, the practitioner, can make the right decision at the right time. With the Nordboard now available and being bought by the likes of David Joyce at the GWS Giants in the AFL, if you're interested in finding out more information, you can email info at valdperformance.com or visit valdperformance.com. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Train With Push, creators of the Push Band. So the Push Band is the first scientifically validated uh, wearable device to provide objective insights into your performance in the gym. So using accelerometers and a gyroscope, the Push Band is able to use bar speed to regulate load and volume based on your ability in the gym on any given day. So you can use the push band to quickly establish uh, 1RMs with submaximal load so you can plan with confidence. So the push band portal also allows you to create programs before entering the gym uh, to make change on the fly depending on how you are performing on that given day. So you can customize everything from target velocity ranges to differentiating velocities for warm up and creating working sets and supersets. Uh, for yourself or your athletes. So if you do want to know more about Train With Push and the Push Band, get yourself over to trainwithpush.com. They also got a great blog, so you can catch up with some guest bloggers such as Mladen Ivanovic and Dan Baker. So be sure to check them out at trainwithpush.com. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to episode 72 of the Pacing Performance Podcast. So, managed to tie Brett down for a part two, uh, which I've been meaning to do ever since part one, but as he'll explain the podcast, uh, plenty of things have changed from over the last couple of months. So I'm not gonna give Brett any introduction whatsoever because he speaks for himself. Um, so enjoy the podcast, uh, but just before I let you go and get into the chat with Brett, um, last chance to book on the uh, webinar on the 21st of February at 7 p.m. GMT, and that's with Matt Jordan. So it's going to be a great chat with Matt. Uh, I've seen Matt present live uh, and it, it blew me away and, and, the, and the rest of the guys at the, the Seattle Sounders Conference, uh, which is open for booking, by the way. So get on that because it's a great event. Um, so if you are interested in listening to Matt speak on the webinar, you can go to paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash Matt and all the details are on there. So enjoy the chat with Brett uh, and I'll speak to you soon. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today we've got part two with Brett Bartholomew. So 
Things have changed a little bit for Brett. I'm not going to do any intro whatsoever because I'll just get him in and let him roll. Um, so thanks for giving up your time on a Sunday, Brett, and uh, welcome to the podcast for part two. No, I'm excited. I don't ever look at it as giving up time. It's always awesome to talk to you and get back on here. Cool. Good man. So how's things changed since since last time we spoke? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, so uh, first and foremost, no longer with Exos, as I think uh, – I don't want to say most of your listeners know because I, I don't imagine myself to be that important in their lives. But as some of them might know, um, had a had a great uh, going on six years with Exos. They they certainly did a lot for me, and I really enjoyed working with them and being a part of that family. And the you know we, we left on great terms, but it was just time for a new chapter, new challenge. And literally been out in LA now for about uh, twelve days, uh, starting the next chapter of my life. Nice. So how's LA? Yeah, LA LA is a bit different. Um, Rob and I were talking offline a little bit, but being from the Midwest, um, uh, middle of America, you know, we always kind of view ourselves as a little bit of a filter of all coasts and and the other cardinal directions. Um, You know, LA is, the people have been great so far. Of course, there are uh, packs of individuals that seem to think that they're more important than anybody else. So, uh, but that's anywhere in the world now that I always just say that the, um, the gene pool could use a little bit of chlorine internationally. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, it's been great. You know, we, the clientele out here is phenomenal. A lot of fighters, a lot of football players, um, uh, interesting celebrity clientele as well. And surprisingly, a lot of them like to work really hard. When I knew the spot I'm at now had some celebrities in there, I thought I was just going to come into Fluff Central. Um, but we see some guys, I mean, like The Rock and Terry Crews and stuff like that just getting after it, you know, and it's awesome to see that kind of uh, environment and culture and atmosphere because some of these athletes and them will jaw back and forth and it's, it's awesome. But yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's uh, a bit of a transition. My wife's still in Phoenix trying to household, but that's all, all boring stuff. Hopefully we'll get settled soon and it'll become, uh, it'll become a new home quickly. Cool. So you just want to give us a little bit of a, um, an insight into what, you know, where you actually are and what the, the situation is uh, down there for you? Yeah, absolutely. So there were um, there were a couple of situations that came about. There was a, a, a tremendous opportunity in the NFL to work with a good friend of mine. Um, and then uh, there was another opportunity that uh, is, is obviously the one that I ended up taking uh, to work with Jay Glazer, Brian Erlacher, and Lindsey Berg. And just to give your listeners some insight, um, Jay Glazer is the number one Fox Sports NFL and UFC insider. Very, very tied in with the world of football and uh, UFC and fighting. Um, and uh, Brian Urlacher is a Hall of Fame linebacker from the Chicago Bears, a guy that was well known uh, for his work ethic and no-nonsense attitude and also just being a great guy. And then Lindsey Berg is a three-time Olympian volleyball player. Um, so no, I'm now a partner with them in their uh, business, Unbreakable. Unbreakable is a performance center out here in LA that, I mean, we work with uh, everybody from, you know, athletes, a bit, uh, fighters and football, big, big, big population out here. And, and two of my main areas of focus, if, if you follow my work at all, uh, and also you know, clientele, general pop, things like that, because we are in West Hollywood. Um, so the idea behind it was Jay and them wanted to create a place that was kind of a, a small underground kind of grittier feel that people that really wanted to work, uh, we're going to seek out. This is not some big mecca or some kind of fitness or training conglomerate where you're going to walk in and every piece of uh, every toy and tool and tech and everything is presented it's 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 pretty bare bones but it's also got some cutting edge stuff 
you know, we we have cryotherapy. We have a lot of unique nutrition solutions. We have, uh, you know, we have the basics like Normatec recovery solutions. The big difference is, you know, there's what I love about the place is there's no mirrors. Half of it is all performance training. So there's equipment, racks well outfitted, dumbbells, balls, kettlebells, the usual. The really like the inside of an MMA gym. So we have a big, huge um, you know, where jiu-jitsu can be done, we literally have a caged-in area for uh, sparring and, and boxing and, and MMA work and all that kind of stuff. And one of the big, unique pieces of this is athletes from every sport will come out here and they want to do the performance training. They also get the MMA piece. And that doesn't mean they're in here fighting one another. That's certainly like, that's not that. It means for like football linemen, they're learning different aspects of handwork and leverage and how to use their body and center of gravity, uh, you know. Uh, for we have uh, Adrian Bell, who's a Hall of Fame baseball player, 420 some odd that comes here in the offseason. And the guy's just done that gross repetition of the same patterns all season long. So he comes in here and learns a little bit of uh, Muay Thai and boxing and just gets his body into some different patterns. And then other days of the week, we do performance training. So, you know, our squats or deadlifts or pulls, you know, anything like that. And so it's a unique culture because unbreakable, that kind of brand and mindset is kind of like what Google is to search engines. We want people to come in and understand that the number one thing that transfers to sport aside from ethical training needs is their confidence. And if they walk in here and they leave without an increase in confidence, we didn't do our job right because that fighting aspect and getting them outside of their comfort zone and getting that unique atmosphere of we don't really give a shit who you are, you're going to come in here and work and be a part of this family is, is extremely unique in my mind. And everything that I've always kind of preached and valued about performance culture is you've got to start from that kind of standpoint. Anybody that's read legacy, you know, uh, from James Kerr knows that it all starts from a culture and a mentality and a mindset. And that's, that's really what we hang our hat on here. Mm -hmm. So what was it like with, um, Vincent Company, that you put a little, uh, you put a little tweet out the other day with his shirt with his signature. Yeah, did, Vincent did Company he, and some. What's up? I was going to say, did he uh, get get his um, get his got uh, boxing gloves on? Yeah, you know what? He didn't do the boxing piece, but we okay. taught him. You know, we taught him some of the kicking elements and stuff of nice. MMA, kicking and different hip work and what have you. Um, awesome guy. So yeah, Vincent Company and, and the Manchester City crew came down, and there was about five or six of them, and they spent about a week down here and. It was just awesome. And I think one of the things they, they loved about it is the same thing that I loved about it. And again, maybe some of your listeners won't understand this, but I think there's a good bit of them that will kind of nod their head and, and bare their teeth at this. Like, you come from Man City, you know, their facility is absolutely unreal. You know, that's a that's a palace. And then they come in here, we got a 3,500-square-foot Spartan, like, where the hell is this place kind of feel to it. And they all just, like, lit up when they came in, and they're like, Yep, this is going to be fun. And that's how it feels. It feels like, again, apologies for the American reference, but Gleason's Boxing Club, you know, in New York City, where you go in there and there's this kind of iconic, like, okay, like, I know exactly what I'm here to do. Let's get to work. And yeah. so they were great, super open minded. He was a class act, uh, signed a jersey for us, and, you know, just, you know, awesome guys. So we were happy to have them. In. Nice. So, uh, general population. Have you done much with yeah. general population before? I mean, I think just like um, with most of your coaches listening, yeah, yeah. when I started, okay. um, especially when I started, so I was kind of a utility player when I started at Exos. Um, you know, I, I had trained 
my normal day was I'd train a gen pop general population group at six, another one at seven. I'd work with a military group at about eight or nine o'clock. Then I'd work with an athlete group, um, you know, like more of an elite athlete group after that. Then I'd kind of have a midday break and then I'd work youth the rest of the evening. So, you know, I was that guy that was kind of there from 5 a.m. to 7.15. You maybe took an hour break in the middle of the day. Um, so that was a big part of it. So, I, But it had been a while, admittedly. You know, there were times where our coach at Exos was out, Joel Sanders, and I'd have to fill in. And so I've always enjoyed it. Like, it's the same principles, right, um, in terms of you, you want to make sure to train them with smart movement patterns and all that. But you can always kind of just – uh, lay back a little bit, talk to them a little bit more, add some fun elements. So um, it had certainly been a while, and it's not, I would say, where my career is going to track. Um, but I certainly don't mind it when I have a couple groups today where it's just people looking to get their minds and body rights. I mean, if you're, it's it's like this, right? Training is something that we do, but coaching is something that we live. Mm-hmm. And if you're kind of elitist and say, "Well, I only coach X, Y, and Z," then uh, you know, I don't know. I think that you're you're missing a bit of perspective there, and there's value from doing both sides. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's looked down upon. It's it's looked down upon. I mean, we had a, a guy who um, who lives in Manchester, Rick Moylan, who was yeah. R- Ricky Hatton's coach. Yeah. And he, he Ricky Hatton, uh, Scott Quigg, the boxer, UK boxer, and tennis player. And we we talked about it about his kind of time with Ricky Hatton and and various other athletes that he works with. And he was like, yeah, I'm a PT. I'm a PT. I work with 40-year-old housewives who come in at lunchtime because they want to get fit or they want to lose a little bit of weight. And he said, that look, get that gets looked down upon by kind of like your archetypal kind of strength coach. But why is that? Why, why should that be looked down upon that he goes from Ricky Hatton in the morning to Mrs. Smith, the 40-year-old you know, secretary at lunchtime. Yeah, I don't think it should. I mean, people, people coaches quoted all the time, specialization is for insects, you know? And so, <laughs> um, so some of my greatest lessons were from coaching youth athletes and gen pop and things like that. And I, I tell interns all the time, like if you're here just to work with elite athletes, you're really shortchanging your development. Now, again, my specialty now and going forward is primarily uh, elite athletes and has been for a number of years. My specialization you can coach. And I agree, you know, like now real coaches, it's kind of that hip hop, you know, I'll recognize real. You'll know if you're around somebody that, that understands that dynamic and can do both. And most of the greats can, I mean, you listen to some of them, a lot of them, even the ones that are in the, the pro organizations have said, yeah, you know, I got fired. And for a year I went and worked in the private sector and I did this. And then you have guys like me who started in the team setting, but then went to the private sector. And really there's, it's just like, it's this whole, none of this matter. Yeah. Public sector athletes, individuals, like coaching is coaching there. What the biggest, uh, uh, gap is, is are you a trainer or are you a coach? That yeah. is different. Yeah. That is different. And I think even some of these people that say you know, trainers, uh, if they were to be honest with their skill set, some of them, you know, you should be calling themselves because they're doing themselves a disservice, you know, and then there's other coaches that are probably a bit more of what we think of when we think of trainers, people that paid for their cert. But this, this ego and the labels and the nominative determinism, like, you know, that's what keeps people from being great. And that's kind of an ego thing. Like 
coach people, you know what I mean? And then quit patting yourself on the back and their trophies aren't your trophies, buddy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? Are you, yeah, I, you know, I hate to say like, if, if I was in the NFL right now and my team was playing in the Super Bowl, I would love to sit here and be like, you know what? It's our new, uh, it's our new floating periodization model that we've kind of adapted from the research. And the way that I have my guys using bands and chains in season and, and, just mastering the elements of the neuromuscular system based off all the uh, monitoring that we do and, and preserving their body. That's why we're in the Super Bowl. It's, ah, come on, bud. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're, pro- you're probably, yes, that plays a part without a doubt. I'll never downplay what we do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in this industry. But nobody's winning a Super Bowl because of my squat program. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, we're one piece and a much larger puzzle and take pride in what you do. But you got to be realistic as well. Pride comes before a fall. But what it can do is earn you five grand for a weekend speaking at a conference. <laughs> it can you that, or it can earn you a bright new shiny ring. So when you're at that conference, you're now the guy that gets to hold court, and everybody, everybody wants to come. You know what I mean? It's funny. I mean, we're you know, it's all good, and uh, that's certainly no disrespect to the people that are playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, this weekend, they both obviously have to do tremendous jobs to keep their guys healthy. So again, not downplaying that. I'm no. more poking fun at the sensationalism yeah. where people try to take that kind of correlation equals causation thing and run with it. Although I got to tell you, Rob, I got to be a little bit more careful with what I say, apparently, because there's been several things I've put on social media. I lately saw that. that. Oh, it's God. Been kicking Where, off. Dude, no matter what you put on social media, like I could put today, the weather is beautiful in L.A., and there's going to be some guy that goes, yeah, except when it's not. <laughs> or, but what about the cloudy days? Are you saying they're no good? Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that the weather's nice today. That's yeah. all. <laughs> you know, like, no matter what you say on social media, somebody thought I was attacking Lee Taft lately, yeah, who is an absolute legend and great buddy of mine, because well, I noticed you posted something about a speed coach, and Lee's a legend. And I go, listen, dude, I just took a picture and hit send. I didn't, I didn't get on Facebook and look who is advertising what, you know, like this is just a general message that I send out there on my thoughts. And so I have to be careful because my natural tendency is probably more of an aggressive one. And, uh, I'll, I'll get caught up in that stuff. And so my response was like, I'm, I don't worry about people's perception. People are always going to take whatever they want out of a message. I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help and share some thoughts. I don't think mine are mind blowing, but if, if this really, you know, stirred you up, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that's, um, that we chatted about earlier was the, obviously making a transition from, from working at Exos to, to where you are now. And the, the, yep. the topic of freedom came up, which yeah. was music to my music to my ears. So do you just want to talk to us a little bit about where you stand on, on that side of things and, the, the kind of obviously the benefits that that you're gonna hopefully reap um, in in the private sector. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so to give a little bit more context, so I'm I'm not only the director of performance out here, like I said earlier, I'm I'm now part owner, and I'm also the general manager, and I'm also <laughs> a coach. Yeah. And so to most listeners, they'd be like, "Well, that doesn't sound like freedom. That sounds like you're gonna be pretty busy." <laughs> Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like definitely going to be busy. I have a staff of around, you know, eight or nine people. When you look at everything, you know, different coaches and therapists and everybody we've got to work between. And uh, again, that's in a 3,500 square foot area with uh, a bunch of different athletes running all over the place. Now, 
one of the things when I had told people that, you know, I had made this decision, um, you know, over taking an NFL role, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of threw a lot of people. And uh, to be honest, if you were to ask me a year ago, it would have thrown me too. And it's me, it's not me saying that I will never go that route in the future. I love, I love the team setting. I'm passionate about it. But one thing that this offered amongst many is Jay is an incredibly successful businessman in a lot of what he does. And uh, his partners have been incredibly successful, not only in their chosen vocation, but in all other aspects. And I really like and value learning about all different things in life. And I wanted to come and work with people that are amongst the best of the best at what they do in many different realms, not just in strength and conditioning. That's going to make me a better strength coach. That's going to make me a better husband. That's going to make me a better director of performance. That's going to do a lot of things for me. And I also, I'm going to, my wife and I are working on having kids right now. And the number one thing that is important to me is being able to leave a legacy as a father. And I don't really care what anybody thinks about that. That's important to me. That's my life. That's one of my things is I want to be, I would like to be a strength coach that actually has a good relationship with his wife. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I'm with my son and I'm not gone all the time. And um, there's going to be aspects of that grind here for sure. But if I do my job right and we do our jobs right, there's also going to be immense amount of freedom and growth opportunity, not only in the money that I can make, and I'm completely transparent with that. That is important to me to make money for the right in doing it the right way, not by selling a bunch of crap, but <laughs> literally by doing it. And that's like heresy and strength and conditioning. You can't make money. Otherwise, you know, you're some kind of guru or you're some kind of like, what generation are we living in? Yeah. You know, I want to make money. I want to be great at what I want, uh, what I do. And you know what? I want to have great personal relationships. And if something about that is frowned upon and somehow like people can't understand that, then, you know, whatever. But that's that those are my goals. And so the freedom and the ability to do that and align with people that have those same kinds of values uh, was was priority number one. Also, here's another thing. There's a lot of good strength coaches out there that don't have jobs and they just get in the revolving door of, uh, you know, trying to get in the team setting, trying to get in the private setting, all this. I'm in a position now that as we grow, I can hire people. I can help people start to provide for their families and, and, and change their lives and things like that. And that stuff is important to me. And so to be able to have that kind of freedom, autonomy, um, you know, and I use this word loosely, like power in a good, in a good way, to be able to leave a legacy in multiple different ways was a, was a big deciding factor in, in coming here. Does that, does that answer that? No, absolutely. No, hundred percent. So why, why is it in the, in the industry that it's, it's kind of frowned upon when you say like, I actually do want, not that you have this, I'm not, I'm not saying you do, but the weekends, weekends to myself, like I want to spend time with my kid. I want to wash my car. I want to get, go in the garden. That's just, that's just me by the way, Brett. But, um, (laughs) but you know, I want to be, I do what I want. I don't want to be, have a, a ball and chain and someone tell me that, I need to be there at eight o'clock until nine o'clock, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. Well, why is that, why is that frowned upon? And, and especially the money thing, like I, I want to do this, I want more freedom and I want a, that potential to earn more money. Why, why is that frowned upon? In, Cause it's not in, if you went, if you worked in business, if you yeah. set up a, I don't know, whatever it may be, like I want to earn loads of cash. Like yeah. that's absolutely fine. You know, it's not an issue, but when you say that, people think you're, like you say, some sort of guru. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think I think you're definitely right. I mean, it is it is like that. I will say in in other industries as well. You know, my my father grew up as a he was absolutely dirt poor, dirt 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 poor. Lost his dad when he was 13. His dad was an alcoholic. You know, his mom my my dad kind of had to start helping provide for his family when my dad was, you know, just a teenager. And then he became a stockbroker. And part of that was like, I want to create my own life. So that's fine that that's commission. I'm going to hustle. So I grew up and kind of, you know, I'd go to see my dad at his office and stuff because he'd work late nights. And that atmosphere is in other professions. It's a little bit different, but it is, you know, like there's guys that want to have nicer suits than somebody else and better business cards and, you know, shit like that. And um, they're not all for each other. It is more if you're visible at all, or you start making money, or you start doing this, to your point, it's almost, it's just more volatile, it's not volatile, it's it's a more aggressive form of that here, where people automatically assume, oh, well, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing that, like, sometimes people can just be in good situations, you know, and uh, Mark Verstegen, he credits his wife with it, but he had the best word for it I'd ever heard, it was egotistical, you know, like, strength and conditioning guys like us, like, well, you know, we just kind of, we love that blue collar, hard knocks. And we, we attribute that with our identity and think that that can't somehow coincide with also being successful and visible. You know what? You can have, you can get your hands dirty and still live a relatively polished life outside of that. You know, now that's not a place I'm at yet. I am, you know, I, we are open Saturday, so I will work my weekends and, you know, and things like that and, and what have you. But it absolutely makes no sense, but I just think that's kind of how the old guard did it, and it's still a relatively young profession that people in it haven't grown up enough. And how, in my opinion, and how how can we sit here and spend more time raising other kids than half of us do spending our own, and then say that we're a good coach because we increase somebody's power output, their speed, or their one RM? No, you're good if you develop a person from the inside out. That's when you're good, and. And when you have a, you can provide for your family because success on the field means nothing if you have failure in your life. And, you know, there's going to be a time where every single person listening to this podcast should feel as if they can make money, they can have a great family life, and they can be damn good at their profession. And if they're on a one-way track, they need to have a wake-up call because those things will make you better at the others. And so I'm going to be completely, I'm certainly not there yet, but I will be absolutely unapologetic if I'm ever to the point where I don't have to worry about my finances, I know I train my athletes with good methods. And you know what? I can sit there with my family and and know that I escaped that kind of grind that people stay in the rest of their lives again. And you know what? Here's the other thing. If people, if people really didn't think that that was the way to go, they wouldn't support pioneers like uh, Lee Taft, Michael Boyle, Mark Verstegen, and all these people in the training industry that have kind of done, and there's plenty more, you know, you have Dave Tate, no matter what space you're in, everybody's got their examples. So if I left out a name, you know, sorry. Um, but everybody wants that. You're telling me nobody wants, you know, they just need to be more supportive because this industry looks more childish and more goofy. The longer we do this and we become decrepit, cranky old, you know, bags <laughs> that get the life sucked out of us by the time we retire. But Hey, we made it to the playoffs, <laughs> you know. You know it's yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I don't know if you mentioned. Do you mention? You mentioned commission. So uh, especially when you when you bring in um, the kind of how do you work the more cash you get, that yeah, ma- yeah. that makes you that makes you uh, stay a little bit later and 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 worry about things a little bit more. That 
you know, the, the better job you do, the more more money you get and the more potentially more success you, you have. And I know that's that's something that is um is kind of applicable to you now and is, is certainly applicable to me. So yeah. I'm I'm fucking grafting my ass off because you know that's the situation. Maybe maybe commissions should be brought into a professional sport of some sort because maybe it'd uh, loosen people up a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, um, I, I think any any time people have the opportunity to create their future for themselves rather than be dependent on somebody kind of leading that chain for them is huge. You know, and not only that, but retention. You know, how about reten- the the retention aspect is huge, especially in the private sector. Well, I mean, uh, in the private sector, uh, because. You know, you have some guys that may get people in their doors because of relationships, but results are what going to keep them there. Yeah. You know, we all we all know kind of how to target, let's say, and it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, real football, which, you know, most people call soccer in America or American football or rugby or what have you. We all know trainers that specialize in kind of like uh, that YouTube training that they can kind of pick the drills that look fancy and this and this and this and get guys in the door. Um, but you still got to get guys there. But here's the other thing that the private sector taught me. This is a big one. So I, I hope some people really listen to this. A lot of times when people come film something, since I mentioned the YouTube stuff, film crews are only going to capture what they view as sexy and what they think they're going to like. So even when I did our NFL offseason training thing for, for Exos, they didn't capture the trap bar deadlifts and the squats and this and that. They captured what most just general people would ooh and ah at. And what do you think, Rob, like what do you think general people when they think of athletes training, ooh and ah at? What, what kind of movements or what kind of tools? The, the tech, the explosive stuff, the sprints, the people shouting and bawling and things like that. The hype. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. The hype. They, they're yeah. going to look at the quote unquote speed ladders. They want to see the drills. They want to see all this. And so, that's another thing is like when people get into the world of non-sales selling, like Daniel Pink calls it, when they have to actually like um, they have to increase awareness about their places. They have to increase awareness about that. You know, there's very few that get full control over, you know, what is seen. You know, the UFC came in and they had a film crew when we were training them. Again, they didn't come on squat or deadlift day. <laughs> they, caught, they, they caught our guys doing bottoms up presses, um, a burnout series, you know, just kind of some uh, – some of the ESD work we did. And if you want to lose faith, again, somebody said this, I can't remember, somebody in the coaching profession, but they go, if you want to lose faith in the human population, just look at YouTube comments. And initially, to your point exactly, rather than somebody being like, oh, you know what, it looks like Rob Pace is doing some decent stuff out there. Oh, you know, he fell victim to the usual uh, uh, photography stuff and what have you. People get on there and they're like, oh, there's nothing magical about battling ropes. Oh, Oh, why are they doing this? Oh, why are they doing that? It's like, dude, you saw a one minute and 37 second clip of what was a six to nine week training routine. Shut up. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, people have to understand that there's a whole nother aspect to what, to what we do and what we have to do. And you've got to kind of loosen up a little bit. And at the end of the day, you shouldn't feel self-conscious about what somebody captures on tape or what somebody captures on audio, you know whether you're doing the right stuff or not at the end of the day. And you have to be that. You know, and, and not only that, there's social proof that goes with that. People that last in this profession, uh, you know, they have a certain circle around them that, that can validate and, and verify what they do. It's like, so it's 
that is the, the next generation, and you said this perfectly off tape, of strength and conditioning has got to be people that understand balance in your life makes you a better coach. They've got to seek to understand before they get on their soapbox, and they've just got to be more supportive of everything because we all want the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the kind of the background of, of how you got involved with the, uh, with the, with the gym. And, and yeah. you spoke about the, the kind of the faces of gyms and, and kind of businesses and, and things like that over, especially in the States. So your Mike Boyles, your, your Mike Mistagans, how, how important is it? And, and you, you've got this, you've got this now, but how important is it to surround yourself not only with good coaches, but people from different walks of life, and do you know business people like you obviously you have um at the minute but instead of obviously you're going to go around and visit different coaches and see how how they do things so you can you know take what you want but how about going to i don't know meeting someone who's a a ceo of a a small business and see how they do things and how you can (laughs) replicate you know the kind of things how they build a team and how they do x y and z how important yeah. is it for, for you to, to do that? Critical, critical. Yeah. And that's something that um, Dan Path and I talked about often and Stu McMillan as well. Like those guys get it. And they worked, we all worked under the same roof together at Exos. And it's funny, you know, Dan, most people just know him in the track and field world and all that. But like Dan is, half of his philosophy is about people and learning from other avenues and how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Not just the unique, you know, matrix of the human body and all this kind of stuff. When people go and they go to these Altus mentorships and they listen to Dan and they crowd around Stu, like all of this stuff is a microcosm of what goes on in the training world because our world is not that different than anything else. You know, I used to think that because I'm not a stockbroker like my father and every other male in my family that they had nothing in common. That's ridiculous. Compound interest and investing are tenants of financial planning, just like they're tenants of training. You know, building a business is just like building a person. You've got to go from the inside out. And so when people just, I mean, guys, at what point have you read enough of these books that talk about transfer of training and, and, and all these aspects? You know, you've got to get beyond those books and read other things and go back and visit them. I'm reading, uh, the Special Strength Coach's Handbook by Natalia Verkashansky. I mean, I'm reading that uh, for the second time because it had just been a while and, and you got to re-up. But, you know, the 50 other books I have on my Kindle are things completely different, you know? And it's not just about leadership either. I'll get on that, you know, like you've got to look beyond the leadership. You've got to look at understanding the processes of what it takes to get people on board with a message. And that's that's a book that I'm working on right now. Um, I'll be it slowly, especially because of the move, but I'm about 160 some odd pages in and the book is completely, it's, it's called and it's about building buy-in and that's one part of it. Like, and I'll, I used to not really talk about what the title of it's going to be because uh, I figured there's some coach that doesn't coach. that's going to try to write the book while <laughs> I, you know, you know, and, and somebody may, but I'd rather share it on here so that if that book does come out, you at least know I talked about it first. <laughs> and I've been talking about this shit for at least two and a half years. You can ask Dan Path and Stu because um, I presented it for them and I presented it in Ireland. But the whole my whole thing is it's called Conscious Coaching, How to Build Buy-in by Enhancing Trust and Relationships. And it's more of a scientific view of, you know, we have Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that's based on like 
principles of interaction. But what I started doing is really reading a lot in the psychosocial dynamic of why do certain principles of interaction work? Why do certain aspects of manipulation, influence, communication, all these things tend to work on us the way we do? And I'm working on writing that book as it pertains to coaching. Um, and you'll hear it here first. It's not going to be perfect. I'll probably hate it once I write it. But I do think it's needed because every coach is asking. Um, I, the number one thing I get reached out for, and it's nice to know that I've kind of uh, started to be known for this niche. That's what I like is not only the training that I do, but more importantly, how I get guys on board with it. People will say, hey, your guys seem to really be loyal to you and love you and understand the picture. And I go, guys, it's, it's because it's how I communicate with them. Um, I learned immensely when I was at the University of Nebraska. I remember our strength coach at the time, James Dobson, was talking to everybody about something that was going on during training that day. Hey, it's a heavy squat day. We have X, Y, and Z. This is the things that we're going to do. And when he broke down the team, everybody walked away. It was like, why, what, why are we doing this? What are we weightlifters? What are we this, this and that? And so boom, right then I recognized an opportunity that I'd go up to these guys and say, Hey, do you know why you squat heavy? Let me tell you, you know, what's your goal? He'd be like, I want to get faster, man. I care about football. I'd be like, cool. Well, squatting help, uh, squatting heavy helps in this way. You know, and then the players started coming to me and they'd be like, Coach B, what, what does this do? Like, why are we doing this? You know, they didn't like the, the some guys just don't like training and they'd want to know why. Just like somebody may walk into a small business, Rob, like you said, and they're browsing. They don't know what they want to buy, but then they come across a product that they think is going to enhance their life in some way, shape or form. And that's what the great products do in these businesses is they speak to the athlete and say, or I'm sorry, speak to the person and say, hey, you're missing this in your life or this can enhance X, Y, and Z in your life. So I try to help athletes see this is your goal. This is our method. Our purpose matches with your process. And this is how we're going to move forward together. And so, so you've got to learn that kind of trait of talking and selling. Again, selling in a connotation. Anybody that thinks selling is like, you know, sham wow, infomercial stuff or what have you. You have to get that out of your head. You sell all the time as a coach. When you want people to come train with you or listen to what you're doing, you're trying to sell them on a future result they can't see. They can't test drive enhanced performance. They have to feel it. And the only way they feel it is if they believe you enough to submit to the process that you're going to put them through. And that is the critical, critical, critical thing that most coaches lack. Like, People don't just want to get under the bar like we do because we love the strain. A lot of them want to get under the bar because, or a lot of them don't want to get under the bar. They're just doing it because they have to. You need to help them understand why they need to. Just like a business owner needs people to understand why they need their store, their product, their this, their that. Mm -hmm. So you obviously you mentioned the book there. You've, you've got um, a website. I'm, I'm interested to know. We didn't discuss this actually beforehand. Um, interested to know the... The vision for the site? Yeah, yeah. So um, why? Yeah, admittedly, it's still, I, I don't know that I can communicate it accurately because that's still okay. evolving. The site is not yeah, yeah. yet, otherwise I'd be happy to announce it. Um, just a lot of stuff going on right now. But I think the goal of the site is, you know, obviously my book will be there, you know, once it's done. Uh, <laughs> praying once it's done. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is probably just, you know, so people have uh, more of a uh concentrated way to reach out to me right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm completely honored and grateful. So anybody listening to this, that's a supporter, like, thank you. I really work hard to just put useful stuff out there. I understand none of it's mind blowing, but I'm just trying to share thoughts that maybe weren't shared with me when I came up. So I want to help, but 
I get a lot of things via Facebook message, via Twitter, via email, via text, and it just gets hard to keep up with all of them. I get home at like seven or seven thirty at night, and um, I start answering my Facebook messages, my my tweets, all this stuff, and it just kind of gets to be a bit overwhelming, and I don't get back to people as quickly as I'd like sometimes. Even though I, I have, I give myself two days. Um, in this case, when I'm moving, it's been a, a week or so, but two days, and if I don't get back to them, like, you know, I, I've got to reach out, but the site will kind of help streamline that. So, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. If, if, if I can help in any way, uh, reach out to me here um, because I do want to get out there. And, and I've done a lot of speaking over the past couple of years with Exos and independently. I do want to be able to help any way that I can. But that's the main thing is a streamlined resource where people can reach out to me there because you just can't keep up with all the social media after some point in time. And to be honest, you don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to come home and spend it. I'm right now I'm spending about 73 minutes every night answering all that kind of stuff. And that, I don't mean that as man, I'm important. Listen to how much stuff I get. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, I just value getting back to people if they're going to take the time to reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Cool. So one last thing before I let you go, CPD. People. CPD. Yeah. CPD. Let's chat CPD. So, Conferences, workshops, seminars, webinars, podcasts, blogs, obviously all forms of, of CPD, but, and we've discussed a little bit over, over email, but I'd love you to expand on, um, on that, that side of things. Is there, is there something, is there aspects of this, of this missing? Um, what kind of the, the info that people are sharing, if you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be good to give like the listeners a little bit more context just to okay. communicate yeah. offline. Uh, do you want me to go into that or you want to go into that? Uh, you go. You they, go. They, People don't yeah, want to okay, hear me so speak. Don't worry about that. I, I think they do, man. You have, a <laughs> much better, you have a much better accent. Everybody, I've had somebody recently tell me that I sound like um, sound like I have, uh, I have either gargled glass or smoke too much. And I'm like, well, I think you're trying to say my voice is, she goes, no, I mean, your voice is unique. I go, well, you failed at that communication. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was she think, American? You know, was she American? Or was she... Uh, no, no, no. She was English. She was oh, English. Okay. She like, I was like, okay, well, uh, but i uh, listen. I know I sound, you know, gravelly, but yeah, Rob and I were talking, you know, in terms of, and I'm, I'm not always politically correct, there's just a lot of people that are kind of, you know, course whores and there's all these courses and information and all that. And people listen to the podcast and they're inundated with it. And, and the point that Rob made, you know, really well is, you know, people love the information when they hear it, but then afterwards you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to go back to doing what I do now. That's great information. That's good. I feel it's almost like we feel good because we ticked it off our list. You know, we did our con ed for the day. But very few of those things are really like game changing for us all the time. Uh, And I agree. You know, I went to the NSCA coaches conference and the presentations were phenomenal. But anybody that goes to these presentations understands that the best stuff really happens when coaches get together. They get together and they talk movement in the lobby. You know, like uh, me and Sean Mishka did recently with a whole host of people or they talk, you know, you just go and listen in to some of these geniuses. Like I listen to Brian Mann talk and I, you know, I, Brian and I will talk for five seconds on, you know, some life stuff. And then another second, it's about training or what have you. But the stuff that does the real big meat to it and really provides you with action items is the stuff that is right in front of you, right in front of you. And you're like, okay, I can do this tomorrow. We can talk about it a little bit more in depth. So Rob and I are just talking about how can we really get 
people to take not only this information, because we are in the information age, but really make that a little bit more transformational and, and do something with it? Like, what's the future medium of that? Right, Rob? Like, yeah, correct absolutely. me if I'm wrong. No, absolutely, absolutely, 100%. And because, yeah, go on, sorry, mate, you go, you go. No, 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 you go ahead, you go no, ahead. No, no, it was, it was just something that um, Cal Valley had, uh, <laughs> I mentioned Cal, um, because of how kind of frank he is on, especially on, on Twitter, um, yeah. and how he kind of promotes the let's see it kind of view. Yeah. Don't, don't just say something, let, let's, let's see what, like, what have you done? And yeah. I, I kind of respect, I, I respect that a lot because he puts himself out there and a lot, I'm sure a lot of people don't like him. Um, and I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that he would probably say exactly the same, but <laughs> no, it was just um, going back to what, what you said, it was just promoting that thanks to that information now show us how that is, you know, replicates what you actually do in the real world. How does right. that, you know, what go on then? And, and yeah, what? no, uh, yeah, totally. And so, um, and you're right with Carl, you know, and at first when Carl and I interacted, you know, I was like, are you like calling me out with this stuff? <laughs> and so one day yeah. we met for lunch, I had had, I had had surgery and I had a suction drain in me, like literally <laughs> I had three days and I was like, listen, man, like, I think we're miscommunicating. Uh, let's meet face to face, you know, because a lot of times that let's see it thing, like. I get what he's saying, but you yeah. can't put it on Twitter. Yeah, and so we just we yeah. we reached out and we talked. You can't put it on Twitter just because like there's 140 characters and you know all of a sudden you write, hey, this is message one of five. This is message one of six. You know, two of six. You know, and so I was like, let's go to lunch because we got to get a feel for one another. And we went there, and I'm you know I'm trying to like drive in my car because I have this suction drain attached to me because I I had had two like just cysts removed down by my coccyx, and I'm like oh, this better be worth it. We're going to get into it, whatever, you know? And, you know, Carl was like, listen, dude, like, I'm sorry. You know, I don't, I don't always, maybe this didn't come across right. He goes, I'm just looking, I'm just looking for answers. It's not me calling, you know, people out. And I was like, you know, and I think there might be some instances, but uh, he made it very clear. Like, you're not who I'm worried about. Carl, the meantime, is looking for guys that are like making grandiose claims. And, you know, you just kind of, Sometimes like, you know, you have to kind of decide, okay, is it, is it worth it to even, you know, like, I don't, I don't really care. Those people I don't pay attention to, but I had to get to know why Carl was asking some of these things. And he said, what you said, he goes, I just want to see some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and that I can appreciate because, you know, sometimes I do too. And, um, and even if the answer is, I don't know, like if somebody's like, Hey, this is something I'm thinking, boom, I put it on social media. And even if the answer is, I don't know, like, why do we, why do we go away from saying that? You know, now, we have to be careful because you can't explain your whole philosophy over social media. I mean, there's certain things that are going to be trade secrets. Like you can talk about what you do, but how you do it, somebody's just got to come see you. And that's why I always say wherever I'm at, people have an open door policy. Like you're going to be bored, but you're going to see me choose the same exercise as you are. I don't think there's necessarily a whole magic in that. I think the magic is in how I coach or how another person coaches and, and, and that. So just come see it. And so anyway, we had a good talk, but yeah, that is, that is something is, all right, let's see it. But how do you do that when we've all got crazy schedules when there's limited access and you know, that's why I started putting some stuff on Instagram. Finally, I was slow to that. That's why I put stuff, but even that Rob is a double-edged sword. Cause then I put something on Instagram and people will take it out of context. And then you just kind of like, all right, guys, you want to talk about it? Just call me come see me. Like I'm an open book. Like nobody's trying to slip anything by anybody, but there are people, you know, it would be good to see more of that. So 
the solution around that as to, okay, we've heard Dave Tenney speak now. We know Dave Tenney is a legend and an incredibly smart guy, even though Dave Tenney totally made fun of me for being short. I'm 5'8". <laughs> and I go up to Dave to meet him for the first time, and he goes, oh, I thought you'd be taller. And I'm like, is that the first, that's the first thing you say to me, man? <laughs> I am not self-conscious about my height, so I'm going to assume that you just thought by my picture I looked taller. Um, but anyway, we all hear about the legend that he is. And, and, you know, you have Dan Baker and you have everybody in all these different uh, – Lachlan Wilmot. Like there's – I could name a million coaches, but hearing what they do does not necessarily show you it. And you leave these presentations and you hear the framework, but how do I do it? How do I, how do, I do it? And that's what when – I, when I present, I always try to say, hey, I, I put a little piece in there called the coaching clinic. And the coaching clinic is, okay, now you've heard what I've talked about. This is how I implement it. And I try to end that with every section of slides. And that's been helpful for me. But I, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts as to what you think would be maybe the best idea around that. Yeah, I mean, I did the uh, webinar with Dan Baker, you mentioned Dan there, um, back, in October, yeah, back in October. And it was kind of billed as a, as a I don't know, um, an exhibition of of the data and the the information that he's collected over obviously a, a long career with the Broncos, and he presented that and it was for me when the, the the uptake was brilliant and a lot lots of people got to see it, but for me it was the I know I, I state that I know a lot of people don't or most people don't have fifteen years at the at a championship winning NRL club, but he presented exactly what he did exactly what he he found with you know working with his athletes and how that guided him forwards and i think whether you've got one year's experience or you've got 15 years experience getting that out there and even if it's just for yourself like writing a book or you know whatever it may be or putting a blog or whatever it may be the the kind of case study format for me is like i'd put on on twitter is where it's at because yeah, pe- yeah. you know, people want to see that, and I think that's that's where people are going to learn. Like, if if I want to learn about the transfer of training, like I'll pick up a book and we'll I'll read, read it. it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll read it, or I'll you know call someone and say, "What do you think to this?" But if I want to actually get inside someone's head, like for me, it needs to be in a case study format. Like I want to see how Jonas Dodu gets his. UK sprint guys from 10-2 to 10-1. Like, I want to know what he does, like what happened, and, you know, the thought think, process The thought process he went to, to make them decisions. I think a lot of people are scared to share that, and, yeah. and this is just my opinion. I, yeah, absolutely. You know, no, I, think, but this, I think a lot of people are scared to share that because of how everybody reacts to everything. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that you just got to realize you have to have thick skin. You should never be scared of sharing something. You know, everybody is, oh, I'll, I'll save everybody the anxiety now. Not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody is going to agree with you. And somebody is bound to take it out of context, you know? And so you, that thought leader hierarchy, I posted this on Facebook or Twitter um, where I said, you know, there's those who research those who research and do, and those who research, do, and share. And if somebody ever criticizes somebody that, you know, is out there doing it and they're sharing it, you know, like shame on you. Like that, nobody's sitting here saying they're perfect at it. You know what I mean? Like nobody, if we all had, if somebody had the answer by now, 
we'd replicate it again and again, and nobody will ever have the answer because and this is pinned on my Twitter. Like people are the ultimate performance variable or principle. Like what works well for one guy is not going to work well for the next guy or team or what have you. Cause the stresses are different every day. Their relationships are different every year. The makeup of the athletes are different. Their ages are different. Their nutrition habits are different. Their sleep, you know, everything's different and we can try to manage it the best we can. And, and we obviously should, but stop, you know, and, I, so I, I totally agree when people, somebody just reached out to me the other day and says, how do you construct your presentations? Because, you know, my presentations are a little bit different format. And I said, well, there's a couple things that orient how I, how I share my information. One, I always go into the presentation trying to give somebody the why of what I do, but also the meat. So I'll say, hey, this is what we do. This is why we do. And this is what it looks like here. And that was my most recent presentation that I did for uh, Dan and Stu and their, their Altus, um, apprenticeship is it was my philosophy on NFL offseason training. And so I talked about how the overall philosophy, the strength training bit, the movement bit, the ESD bit, I did the why, the what, and then here's what mine looks like. You know what I mean? And, and that's gotten favorable re, uh, responses because people are like, Oh, like I like that you show me that. And I don't, I sit up there and I have a disclaimer in front of all of my presentations. I go, listen, for the literal Larrys out there, this is just me sharing information. I'm not saying I have all the answers. This is not the perfect way. This may not work for you. That's okay. But this is like I'm speaking right now and you're asking what I do. So this is that. Please just honor and respect that. And I think that's gotten better feedback than I thought. Most people, uh, when I did your first episode, people were like, I appreciate your honesty. And I think that's just all people, especially, you know, and guys like Carl as well, like are looking for is they're like, just give me some honesty. You know, now Carl and everybody else has to, you know, be realistic that like honesty doesn't mean that it's going to be perfection. So don't, don't make anybody feel a certain way if their answer isn't mind blowing. Cause some of the best shit isn't, yeah. some of the best shit isn't mind blowing, yeah. you know? And, uh, but you need to respect the fact that people are sharing. And uh, if, if you're going to criticize that, be ready to share everything that you do as well. Be yeah. ready to share it openly and honestly and you know what? You better really blow people's minds because, what you know, where's that that quote goes? The credit goes to the person that's in the arena, not the one that's sitting out there heckling and throwing this and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I put it out on Twitter a couple of times. I've had some uh, decent response f- for people who who want to do that. So if there is anyone, at, you know, whether it's like just taking me for example, working in the academy at uh, you know a League One football team, or whether it's someone working at, you know, in the AFL, uh, wherever, wherever it may be, if anyone wants to share that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to provide the platform to, uh, to share that on the site. And there's been a, a couple of, uh, guys who've taken me up on that. So I think it's great. I think, I, I think it benefit me and I, my kind of mantra is if it benefits me and I like it, I'm, I'm pretty sure that other people will. So yeah, well, and without yeah. a doubt, I think you'd agree. I don't want to speak for you, Rob, but I think you'd agree that goes to all coaches, not Absolutely. just the head coach of an NFL team no, or a Champions no, League team or first team. Like if you're 21 years old and you're learning a lot right now about coaching and you've made a lot of mistakes and you're on your journey, there are other 18, 19, 21 year olds and even 46 year olds that will value from something you say. Yeah. So all you have to do is just make sure that you don't sit up there and try to act like you've done this for 48 years, you know, but like sharing your thoughts should be free. That should be applauded. And, you know, we, we tell our athletes to do this process and this journey all the time. 
you know, if there's any coach out there that is getting on somebody just for sharing, you need to reevaluate yourself because your morals have been lost in this stuff. And so everybody needs to hit up Rob or anybody else doing a podcast. It is not some elitist or esoteric kind of thing. Share what you're doing for the betterment of the community because there's gold if you mine it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, um, that's a good place to finish up, mate, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on again. It's just an uh, uh, there's always a lot of fun. I appreciate the frankness. I appreciate the open-ended communication. And um, if there's anybody out there that wants to connect, if you're in LA, just let me know. Um, again, right now I'm uh, I'm in the middle of a move and trying to get my family out here. So if my responses are a bit delayed or or fractured or what have you, please forgive me. I'll get in the normal routine soon. But if you're out here, love to have you. Um, you can reach out to me again on on Twitter or Facebook. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, my Exos email account is obviously no longer active. So right now my personal email account, um, just brett.bartholomew7 at gmail.com. Um, later on, it will be brett at unbreakableperformance.com. But for right now, just reach out to me on the personal site, call me directly, anything. Um, always happy to hear from everybody and appreciate the support, honestly. Awesome as, uh, awesome as usual, Brett. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate right. it. Right. We'll catch up soon. All right, take care. Thanks, mate. Thanks for tuning in to episode 72 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. Again, hope you enjoyed part two with Brett. Uh, such a great guy, and I'm sure you took so much from the uh, the little chat we had. So just to make you aware of, the, of number three in the Pacey Performance webinar series with Matt Jordan. So as the previous two with Dan Baker and Ian McHale, uh, it'll be great content, and as I mentioned in the intro, I saw Matt speak in Seattle, and you won't be disappointed. So if you do want to check out Matt uh, and hear him present, get over to paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash Matt. So I've got some great guests again coming up over the next couple of weeks and months, so keep checking back, uh, and I will speak to you soon.